Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Okay, uh, we're talking to Rhonda Britton, and she owns Rhonda's Fine Foods. And we're going to talk about the company and its products. Um, tell us how old a company it is, Rhonda, to start with. Oh, hi, Anna and Peter. Thank you for having me. So, gosh, you know, we um, incorporated back in, in 2020, um, but we didn't hit the market with our first product until June of 2021. So well, I was working as a – There were a few yeah, distractions was, along the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I was working as a neurotrauma uh, nurse. And so, um, you know, Steve took my recipe back then and he started working on the framework of the company. But we launched our first SKU, uh, Rhonda's original Romesco, in June of 2021. Now, what, you know, what, 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 what made you pick Romesco? That's what I was just going to ask. Oh, well, gosh. Um, you know, I've always been a passionate foodie. And so, um, you know, bringing a product to market uh, in my 20s, you know, was sort of always kind of in the background and a dream for me. Uh, but I didn't know how to take it to, to market. And so, um, you know, I met Steve about four and a half years ago. And he has been in the food industry for 35 years. And so he oh. really was, uh, you know, thinking like he, that's always been a dream of his, but he didn't have the product, you know, to take to market. So um, he really believed um, in my cooking. And so we started to try to dial in, um, you know, there's a lot of barbecue or uh, jams um, and jellies on the market. And I make all of that homemade. But um, when it comes down to it, you know, there there's a lot of that already on the market. And so I've been making Romesco for about 20 years. Um uh. And so I made it for him, and he said, well, I don't know what this is, but this is, you know, what we're going to take to market. So, you know, that was kind of just how it, how it unfolded. Well, you know, I mean, it's one of my favorite classic sauces, by the way. Um, oh, wonderful. But, yeah, so I've always loved it, but I never had the convenience of having it in a jar before. <laughs> so that exactly. was wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you know, it's not very well known in the United States. Um, yeah. And so, well, explain you know, what it is little... while we're talking about that. To tell, okay. tell us about. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a, a classic Spanish uh, dip sauce spread, and it originated in the Catalonia region of northeastern Spain in the 15th century. So fishermen created it to spice up their catch of the day, um, and they also, you know, eat it with a seasonal spring onion called the calcot, um, which has a short window of growth. But um, so there's no standard recipe. Everybody in Spain sort of has their version. Um, it can be a little bit labor intensive, um, and so ours is made with the California almond, roasted red pepper, garlic, tomatoes, spices, and extra virgin olive oil. It's a low-carb, all-natural, and gluten-free product, so... Wow. Yeah. Well, do you, I know you have two of them. You have the original and then you have a spicy one, right? Right. We launched original in June and it was, you know, really well received um, by the food community. So people were asking us, well, what else do you have? And so we decided to come out with, you know, a little bit of a spicier version. Um, and so we launched spicy in December of 2021. 
Well, um, you must be having a little bit of, of um, problem issues with California almonds because of the drought, right? You know, actually, you know, almonds are not our problem. You know, sourcing uh, glass, that that's a little oh, bit of yeah. a bigger problem. I'm able to get my almonds, thankfully. Um, so we, we have not hit that issue yet. You know, other things in the supply chain, they're just taking a little bit longer. But, you know, everyone is experiencing, um, you know, that. So we're just trying to roll with it a little bit. Um, yeah, the, the, I thought almonds use a lot of water, don't they, the almond trees? Yes, yes. yeah, definitely. So, um, well, um, I told you that uh, I've always wanted to, to make a grand roasted cauliflower dish, and it never turned out right. But I did, I did it with your um, basic sauce, the original, yes. Romesco. Yes. And, and I roasted it, and everybody raved about it. It's really good. Oh. It's a good recipe. Oh, <laughs> Keep I that in mind. That. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love now, to hear about it. It's very good. I mean, I, I just take just your sauce right from the jar yeah. and coat the uh, – um, I, I make the, um, um, the cauliflower into a small – bits, you know, what do you call these florets, mm-hmm. florets, mm-hmm. And, yep. and coat them with that and stick them in the oven and roast them at the, and roast the cauliflower at about um, 425 for about 20 minutes, depending on how big the pieces are, and mm-hmm. I test, and then when it's done, yep. it's done, and that's it. So Yeah, that, that is over. wonderful. Yeah, yeah we are... Um, you know, it's a really healthy, unique, and, and versatile product, um, and it just goes with a variety of things. Um, we pair great on a charcuterie board because it goes with a variety of cheeses. Um, there's not a lot of uh, sweet elements on those charcuterie boards. You have a lot of jams, jellies, and honeys, but not a lot of savory items. So we're sort of filling a gap in the specialty cheese departments. Um, oh, and there's nice. very little in the way of savory uh, for consumers. But then, like, as you mentioned, it goes great on steak, poultry, seafood, vegetables, eggs as a sandwich spread, or even thinned out for a salad dressing. So it appeals yeah, to a wide audience. Yeah, I think a, a, a sandwich spread would be very good, actually. Yeah, that's the oh, thought. Oh, it's delicious. If you do, like, yeah. a grilled uh, vegetable, you know, some zucchinis and red peppers um, and put some sprouts and use that as a spread, it's delicious. Well, um, and, and the spicy one is, I mean, how dialed up is that? I haven't tried that one yet. So spicy is not, you know, an overly spicy heat. Um, You know, I don't want to singe your taste buds so that it takes away from the other flavors that you're trying to enjoy. So I think Mm -hmm. it finishes with, I call it a nice warm heat. Um, You kind of get the kick at the end. um, But when it just blends beautifully with a variety of, you know, I love it on a tri-tip. I love it on a soft uh, burrata, um, you know, or mixing it with hummus. You can do like a 50-50 ratio with a plain hummus and make a romesco hummus dip, which is really nice. Oh, great, because we always have hummus in the refrigerator. Yeah, just, you know, you can just scoop some out, uh, mix it up, and then you just have a little bit of a, you know, a new flavor element. You can just just spoon it right into your mouth. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Here, we eat it from the jar, you know, exactly. that's our favorite way. Just eat it from the jar with, you know, pita chips, crackers, warm bread, uh, some olives and a nice glass of wine and you're set. Yeah. Uh, now, tell me about the uh, your plans with the, the um, your product line. I mean, so you have two two items, and that's a tough pool, just two items. So where do you think you'll go with this? Oh gosh, well you know, um, you know our vision of Rhonda's Fine Foods. We aim to modernize um, some of these old world kind of literal, little known flavors of the world by creating innovative and healthy, unique, versatile uh, food products for the time constrained novice or even the experienced home chef or restaurateur because we're in food service as well. Um, so we're going to come out with our third uh, skew here by August and that's going to be a walnut pomegranate dip sauce spread called Muhammara. I'm not sure if you're well, familiar tell me with that one again. It's called Muhammara. Oh, it's walnut pomegranate and it comes from Syria, uh, more precisely the city of Aleppo. And so the main ingredients of that will be roasted red pepper, Walnut, yeah, pepper, <laughs> pomegranate, um, and extra virgin olive oil, and it'll, you know, a bunch of you know s- delicious spices. So it's, um, you know, a mixture of spicy and sweet with a, a complex bouquet of uh, flavors and tastes. Um, oh, that and then beyond good. that, anything with pomegranate in it, as far as I'm concerned, is worth anything. <laughs> Oh, I, I, you know, again, it's a little known, um, you know, there are so many, you know, beautiful flavors of the world that aren't quite explored here. Um, and then, you know, our spin, we sort of modernize it so that it can be used as a dip sauce or a spread. Um, and then we want to make sure it's, you know, healthy and all natural so that, you know, I think you can create delicious food without a lot of preservatives. Great. Yeah, well, that's the trend. I mean, I think the health trend is the big the big signal in, in specialty food right now so um for sure yeah but i mean on the other hand we tend to get a lot of uh a lot of vegan products that are they're they're, they're mainly substitute for you know rather than mining the flavors that are already in the world but mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, so, so remes- is- our Romesco is a vegan product, um, you know, so it does, you know, give those that are trying to enjoy a charcuterie experience, you know, um, something to eat and enjoy that has some substance because of the almonds. Um, vegetarians can enjoy it as well. You know, you've got the almonds provide a little bit of protein and texture, um, and it gives you a new flavor profile that, that really isn't, you know, explored um, in the U.S. markets. The ones that are here are mostly imported and more of a simmer sauce uh, and would be sold kind of in the center store. Um, And you would never use those products um, in the same way as a dip, a sauce, or a spread, kind of how we are marketing our Romesco. I see. Um, Who who are you aiming for? Do you say you do food service as well as uh, um, home cooks, right? Right. So, you know, um, we sort of um, appeal to a wide, uh, a wide audience, um, which we didn't really um, think about, you know, when we were kind of initially starting, you know, our, our business plan. 
but um, you know we can be found in specialty natural conventional grocery stores we're in creameries uh, produce markets meat markets specialty stores um, cooking shops gift stores specialty food stores wineries restaurants cafes delis and uh, even a resort Um, and so because we appeal to a wide variety of um, you know, culinary pal- palates and uh, dietary needs, you know, we, it's really anybody that is interested in delicious food. Um, I left the breadcrumbs out so that it can be a gluten-free product. Um, but, it, you know, oh, we're that's in a right. I forgot variety. about that. There usually is, in Spain, you usually have the breadcrumbs. I forgot exactly. about that, yeah. Exactly. Um, now, can the average home cook or uh, look on your website and, and, and order it directly from that? Uh, yes, you can order it on our website. Um, and what is that? You know, so, uh, can w, you spell that? Uh, yeah, www.rondasfinefoods.com, and that's Rhonda, R-O-N-D-A, finefoods.com. Uh, we can be found on Amazon. And then on our website, um, you can find a Find Us store locator. So we're right now in about 260 locations nationwide, um, soon to jump up to a little over 500. We, we've been brought in by, by World Market. So we're really excited oh. about uh, that partnership. So we'll jump up to that. And we're about 20 states so far. So we do have nationwide distribution. Um, and so we're growing fast. And it's a, an exciting time here. Wow, sell, sounds it. Do you sell in Ronda, Spain? I don't, I don't, and I have never been, but my dad, when he was living, uh, he, he did go to Rhonda, Spain. There you go. Yeah. Um, it's a nice hey, memory. Can you order directly from your website? Is what was yes, ma'am. You can order directly from our website. Okay. Uh, you can order on Amazon um, and then find any of these retail locations. Well, you know, um, I, I was – Wondering if you did any collaborations because that's what's been coming across our desk a lot uh, with you know collaborations between uh, say a yogurt company and a spice company you know that kind of thing. Right. So we are definitely um, in communication um, with some people, especially you know after attending you know these wonderful uh, food shows. People do approach us about doing that. Um, yeah, I figured. So we, <laughs> Yeah, I figured yeah. that was your answer. That's why I asked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, we pair well with a variety. So the creameries, for example, like the Big Moo um, was at the Fancy Food Show. They have a delicious cow's milk meltable cheese, sort of like halloume. Uh, so it's a grilled yeah. a grilled cheese. Um, and so that, that combination is delicious. Um, I'm loving Meredith Dairy Farmstead cheese, um, sheep and goat, uh, cheese. And so that's a beautiful combination. Um, you know, possibly partnering with, um, a company that does, um, a, a hummus so that we can do a collab doing a romesco hummus possibly. Right. So there's a lot of things, you know, we're really in the infancy stage. Um, we've just been around for nine months. And so, you know, things are, are growing rapidly. Now, this is undoubtedly you're probably your first fancy food show. Uh, it's actually my second, um, and oh. then I've been to um, other fancy food shows. My partner, uh, Steve, has been in the food industry for 35, you know, over 35 oh. years, so I have attended 
Um, and then for Rhonda's Fine Foods, it's our second fancy food show that we've attended. Yeah, well, the the, the New York show, I think, is like <laughs> the ultimate fancy it was, food show. It was, you know, the energy and just the creativity and inspiration um, and just talking to people. I, I love, I love being in that environment. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah. But you say you're a nurse. I am. I a neurotrauma nurse. Um, I stepped away from nursing. Trauma nurse. Yeah, I stepped away wow. in November. So um, I I loved uh, nursing um, and working with my patients and and my peers. But you know, as you know, it's a challenging time for healthcare. And, oh wow. Um, you know, my intention was to stay and work part time as a nurse and and to do uh, you know work our business part time, but. Um, it was a good time for me to step away and really kind of immerse myself into the food industry, which, which I'm loving. Yeah. I mean, the nursing part of it is so intense. (laughs) I I was just talking. Yeah. I was just talking to um, a neighbor, um, an old friend who uh, actually, she was a pharmacist in a hospital, Mm -hmm. but um, she was so productive that, she had to work until she was 73. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because um, new people they were hiring, the younger ones, um, didn't, they had a way of evaluating your pro, uh, production. And, and she always came out running circles around oh, everybody else. Sure. And I told her You're about uh, yeah, a nurse friend of mine who actually, she finally had to quit at 75 because she couldn't stay on it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can't imagine. But there's a shortage. I can't imagine doing that. There is a shortage, unfortunately. Um, you know, I it was a really hard decision for me um, to leave, but um, it was time. It was time, and and I'm really enjoying, um, you know, learning a new industry. Really, and, and uh, yeah, and and sort of a dream come true. You know, that's been percolating for many many years for me. Well, you can taste all that in your food. Uh, listeners, um, lay hands on um, a jar of Rhonda's fine foods and uh, the sauces, and you can do everything from marinating to, um, uh, to spicing up on the grill um, to lining your sandwich with it, to mixing it into your potatoes, whatever you want to do with this classic almond um Spanish almond sauce. Rhonda, it was a pleasure meeting you, and um, uh, thank you for fulfilling my dream of a perfect call, roasted cauliflower. <laughs> oh, Anne and Peter, thank you so much for having me on the show. It was wonderful to speak to you, and I and I love hearing that you know that it worked out for your cauliflower. That's that's great. <laughs> thank you, Rhonda. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, we did it. Okay. Okay, so I will, we will email you when it's going to air, and you can listen to it right off of our website or from any of your podcast servers. Thank you so much, Anne. It was such a pleasure yeah. to talk to you. And, uh, that was I'll fun talking to you, too. Okay, yeah, I'm, take I'm, care. I have, yeah, well, yeah, I'm having a, a difficult time because I have a, I'm dealing with a, a future guest Who's a Rhonda with an R H? <laughs> oh God! There aren't very many 
Rhonda. So so that's that's awfully fun. But yeah, well, she's a cookbook um, author. Yeah. So. Oh, very and, nice. And, yeah. So anyhow, um, okay, and and have a. I hope you keep saying staying cool in this heat. I definitely <laughs> reach Bye-bye. out anytime, Anne, and I hope to talk again. Thank you. Yeah, well, keep making these wonderful um, sauces. Absolutely. I'll send you uh, the pomegranate walnut when we when we launch in August. I'm already drooling. <laughs> Thank All right. You. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Marie Crane is um, uh, one of, of two women that started this amazing company called Tomato Bliss, which probably involves exactly what you're conjuring up in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> especially this time of the year, or coming under this time of the year, blissful tomatoes. I could live on tomatoes, by the way, Marie. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I, I feel like I've, I've had whatever I need meal-wise if I have a big tomato. <laughs> you know? so, okay, well, let's talk, though, about the company. And you were located mm-hmm. in the, the described it as the food belt of Michigan, the fruit. The fruit belt. The fruit no, the belt fruit. of uh, Michigan. Uh, Michigan actually is second only to California for uh, fruit and vegetable variety production. So it's a terrific climate with excellent soil, sun, uh, rainfall. It's really a terrific climate for growing all sorts of things, and particularly uh, heirloom tomatoes. And uh, we... Yeah. Don't, 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 don't forget what I said about the volume, dear. Volume. Keep up the volume is what he's saying, Marie. Hello, okay. There? Yeah, okay. Um, Marie, now, I mean, we all love, well, I can't say we all love, I happen to adore um, heirloom tomatoes, um, but... Why were you drawn specifically to a food company, well, in general to a food company, and then specifically to heirloom tomatoes? Well, I'm truly an accidental uh, entrepreneur. Uh, I started as a community activist artist in Chicago where we would set up heirloom tomato exchanges uh, and grow heirloom tomatoes in buckets all over the city of Chicago. And I loved sharing the heirloom tomatoes, and I also would use the heirloom tomatoes. I would roast them and freeze them and use them all year to just bring instant flavor to the meals. In uh, 2016, I thought, well, if I had a farm, I could share more heirloom tomatoes. I got out to uh, Galene, Michigan, on a on a abandoned uh, soybean field, and tried to grow heirloom tomatoes, which I could do really easily in buckets in the food deserts on the south side of Chicago, and I needed drills to get my little seedlings into the ground. Uh, in on this degraded soybean field that it essentially through uh, chemical production had turned the soil to dirt 
at that point, I thought, oh, I'm just trying to save heirloom tomatoes from extinction. Of course, uh, most people don't realize that tomatoes are like wheat and uh, corn and soy. Uh, We've lost all diversity in um, in. Uh, commercial tomato production and that's all I thought but when I started to try to farm them I realized that I I, well I didn't realize I studied and learned that there's a real crisis in farming so it became more uh, more than kind of a science experiment could we get heirloom tomatoes into commercial production to could we start to grow soil? Could we use uh, diverse heirloom tomatoes as a way to rebuild soil? And and that's when it really started to turn into a business. So um, let me jump back. I mean, when you were in Chicago mm-hmm. with your heirloom tomatoes, were you doing performative arts? Exactly right. So we, it, it, we would call it um, kind of, it was a social science experiment. And that was, could, could we have a post-retail uh, exchange system, kind of like a holiday, holiday cookie exchange, where we would... Yeah, I did I that was with pizza in Pittsburgh, you know, pizza. Yes. Everybody uh-huh. kind of promised to make a pizza and give it to somebody, you know, that kind of thing. But I just yeah, read exactly. a... Yeah, I just read a, a profile of, um, oh, what's her name? Um, who am I thinking of, Rabbit? Uh, Yoko Ono. Um, and, mm-hmm. and one of her, she was at, active at the start of the uh, performance art and happy. She studied under the guy who started the happening trend. Joseph Boyce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was mm-hmm. coincided um, directly with, with my studies of, of art history at um, Ann Arbor University of Michigan, and then my um, my first job, which was education curator at the Indianapolis Museum of Art. Wonderful, so, wonderful. So we were involved with this the happening stuff, right? In fact, mm-hmm. we were reminiscing about poor Peter. I dragged him when we moved to D.C. I dragged him to a a performance art thing in in, in this park. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and, and as far as I can remember, we just walked in circles in a ham. <laughs> so, but okay, so that's clarified. So you started out in the arts. A lot of people, by the way, uh, there's a big crossover between people, art people, and food people. You know, I don't know if you know I, that or not. I I didn't know that exactly, but I as as recently as yesterday referred to. Uh, our farm is my studio, so I certainly, okay. in my own experience, see a real connection. Well, Ruth Reichel uh, also has a master's in art history from the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. You know, Ruth. Oh, interesting. Of course yeah. I do. Of course. Yeah. I. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are many others I just can't off the top of my head think of it, but it's, mm-hmm. it, it, the whole industry is rife with, with us art people. <laughs> So okay, so, so now you're now you're you're really serious about farming, and you're also involved with regenerative farming, right? That's right. So I and and again by accident. So it was 2016. We had this dirt that uh, I needed 
to drill into to get just the tiny seedlings into it. And I didn't have a clue to be to tell you the truth. I had no idea about how to farm. Um, I knew how to garden and grow tomatoes, but I didn't know how to farm. So I went, I'm a kind of nerdy gal, and I went and studied everything I could. Uh, I, I studied uh, the principles of biodynamic farming and, re- and realized that uh, I, we needed to regenerate the soil. We're, and I didn't even know that word, if you want to know. I just... Uh, we needed to, I, it needed to be easier. It was so hard. So we just started employing a lot of the practices that I had studied. And over the course of, uh, you know, since 2016, in 2016, with 900 plants, we yielded 7,000 pounds, uh, which was a very small number. And at this, at this point, uh, we're growing about 7,000 tomatoes and we yield between 35 and 50,000 pounds. So it really works. Uh, building, so growing soil is just a really, really keen way of growing vegetables. Uh, Completely a different idea than organic farming, of course. Organic is uh, great for a consumer because you have uh, the pesticides and herbicides are organically derived, and so you don't have chemically derived stuff on your fruit and vegetables. But it doesn't do anything to build the soil. So the practices we uh, we employ, including uh, no-till, and uh, for the last few years, we're a completely no-dig farm, so we never... Yeah, did you happen to listen to the uh, episode on our website that we did with the um, the people who wrote What Your Food Ate? No, I would... Lo- I you would you need to do... You really need mm-hmm. to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 it was kind of... It was a stretch for me because I didn't mm-hmm. understand the chemistry of it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the woman was, what do you call that? Um, well, uh, anyhow, uh, we've also interviewed a, um, it's a psychiatrist, nutritional psychiatrist, which mm-hmm. is another whole mm-hmm. new field. Mm-hmm. And I forget mm-hmm. where she, that's on there too, on, on our website. But this what what your food ate. It's, it's yeah. really it traces, traces back to the um, micronutrients um, in rocks and how they got into. Wait, Dad. Yes. I don't. I don't. I don't think that that just recorded like a few days ago. So it's it's not going to be on the website for a couple. Oh of weeks. right. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, just watch for it, Marie, because these people are I'm fascinating. A, yeah. And, and I, love, just, just I love. Just look up the book. The, the book mm-hmm. itself is, is worth, um, for mm-hmm. you, and your interest, you, I think mm-hmm. you would find it amazing, this book. Mm-hmm. It's very thorough, mm-hmm. what your mm-hmm. food ate. Um, anyhow, mm-hmm. okay, so so you're, you're building the soil, um, but you also have an awful lot of tomatoes, right? <laughs> right. So, so we grow uh, a key uh, component of... Uh, our farming and what makes our farming work is biodiversity and not just lots of trees, shrubs, and perennials and annuals, but lots of varieties of heirloom tomatoes. So uh, we 
always grow about 75 varieties. This year we're growing 170 varieties of heirloom tomatoes. And as a consequence, the tomatoes support each other. So instead of creating a big target with just one variety of tomatoes, or one can imagine the monoculture, a big target for disease and pests, our tomatoes are all integrated, and so they they actually make each other stronger. And also then we find from the consumer perspective, by including all the various types and, you know, the ch- cherries and the plums and the apricots, as well as the full spectrum of color uh, from purple to blue to red, orange, black. Green, yellow black that there's each one has such a distinct flavor we put them all together and the flavor is is really like nothing else available in commercial markets and indeed that was that was the calling was where why is everything in the tomato aisle in the grocery store red and when there's so much variety and so that's Green uh, zebras, I love those. <laughs> yeah, no, we have our. I have and, my and five favorite Russian green black. zebras. This one, yeah, yeah Russian black. Russian, yeah, no, I yeah. love all of them. So, um, mm-hmm. but no, so you have all these tomatoes. You've you've accomplished part of your mission, um, but you you have to choose a, a vehicle um, for production, and your, mm-hmm. your products are essentially sipping soups, right? Yes. So what we did, and we also just, uh, a key part of our business is we we also work with independent farmers who have biodiverse farms, and we guarantee the purchase of their surplus so that instead of their, uh, they, they go to the farmer's market, sell their heirlooms, and if they have any left over, which they oh, typically great. do, we buy them so that we're also... Um, encouraging or supporting other farmers who uh, are doing this. Um, and then we started uh, selling in 2018 at, a, at the Green City Farmer's Market in Chicago. It's a highly curated farmer's market. It's unheard of to get into it with a, a I love value it. I love it. And yeah, we've we been, yeah, test- I love it. Oh, yeah. So, and we tested uh, or not tested, our consumers told us because they kept repurchasing the soup that the soup was essentially we are looking for a scalable product to find the consumer support for regenerative farming. And they repurchased the soup like crazy, and then in January of this year, we launched a full line, well, four types of heirloom tomato soup and um, they taste you know they're preservative free and dairy free and low sodium we use we use uh, fancy or you know delicious vinegars to roast the tomatoes and then we have uh, you know a veduvin curry and uh, baharat roasted and um, a jalapeno of um, roasted heirloom tomato soup in our original, of course, tomato basil. Well, I mean, they're wonderful, fresh soups. Yeah. 
Yeah. Have you have you ever been in touch with Dan Barber? So I haven't been in touch. I've certainly read his book um, and been to his restaurants and uh, and, and, and experiment with. He started a new seed uh, company, Row Seven, that we we grow his seeds on the farm, and um, he's an inspiration for sure. He's incredible, yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, we we have interviewed him from time to time, but he's he's so busy mm-hmm. now that he doesn't even. And, you know, he, he rotates guest chefs and, and so forth mm-hmm. now. But mm-hmm. anyhow, um, now uh, you, you've won awards with your products, and um, it, and do you, who do you market to? I mean, what is your sample market? Uh, well. Um Right. So uh, Prevention Magazine, out of the blue, we did not solicit them or they just found us online and they gave us uh, their, for 2022, the best soup award. They only gave one. Uh, oh, wow. That, that, of course, is a bonanza. We're such a small company. Uh, really, our primary, uh, our primary consumers our farmers market consumers and people who find us online. I mean, we really have a very small group of customers. They're loyal. Uh, we do aim to uh, get into uh, grocery stores at the end of this year. Uh, but our, you know, our customer is a person who loves fresh flavor and, uh, but want something more convenient than having to uh, make the, you know, heirloom tomato soup themselves, as well as because You know, it's our, just the way it's packaged is, is, is a stint plus. I mean, oh. you can use a little, you can use the whole jar, you can, you know, it's, um, I, I think that you must have given a lot of thought to that. Uh, well, I'd say the, the, our consumers did most of the thinking for us because we know we we tried a lot of different things and and we saw what the consumers wanted. And then when we launched, we did launch the Vaduvin curry last uh, last summer at the farmers market. And to say launch means we brought it to the farmers market. Uh, and that was such a hit, and they started. People started to say, "Well, could you do one that has has <laughs> Mexican flavor?" And could you do one? And so we let let the let the it's a, a farmers market consumer uh, choose the course of the business because uh, let's get one thing right. I am driven by a sense of purpose. To you know, come up with a way that that the food system could help heal the earth and bring soil back, and but it only works if we can find consumers who can taste the difference. And uh-huh. heirloom tomatoes are perfect because they really do taste different. Than industrial tomatoes. Yeah, industrial tomatoes. One of the things they did was they took all the flavor out of tomatoes. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> an and, amazing feat. You know, I mean, I never thought it possible, but um, 
I was raised on the real thing, so I knew, I knew you know, mm-hmm. we had a huge mm-hmm. tomato garden. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, and to... And to take the take the flavor out, I mean, the the, the what they do do is they make uh, for higher yields, uniformity, exactly. and they and transportability, Transportation, and yeah. and so those are benefits uh, that we are, of course, uh, just giving an alternative. Our alternative is all flavor. And yeah. is it we, we who was the one who thought of the, the square tomato? Was that the Japanese? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where that one came from, but but certainly. Well, I mean, it makes sense if you want to ship a lot of tomatoes. The, the mm-hmm. round ones don't ship as easily as the square ones. <laughs> right. Well, but who wants them if they don't taste like tomatoes? It is an engineering feat uh, what we can do by hybridizing our produce. Exactly. Um, and We've done it with apples did, forever. Yep, and uh, I think that there's really a, a, an exciting future for food to bring diversity back and finding ways to encourage uh, the growing of lots of different varieties of things by coming up with what we see we're doing is kind of creating a bridge between the produce aisle and the internal aisle of the store because we're you it's just it's a minimally processed but super convenient delicious food product because you know what you have to do next is you've got to come up with a grilled cheese that goes with it <laughs> you know, I thought it was an American thing, but but uh, Peter says that they did that in the UK where he grew up too. You have tomato soup mm-hmm. and a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it were, I I I think a lot of people know or can make their own grilled cheese, and it is of course a very popular. We hear that a lot. I don't know why, you know, it seems so Mm -hmm. odd that it should become such Mm -hmm. a a strong trend on even a global Mm -hmm. stage Mm -hmm. there. Well, it's uh, so tasty. It is, yeah. Now, I mean, where do you go from here? I mean, do you keep adding products or just keep uh, testing out diversity? Mm -hmm. What do you do? So what we're, we are, we believe that heirloom tomato soup, uh, tomato soup is the second uh, most popular soup in the country. And we're essentially imagining that we could make a whole line out of that favorite um, flavor. And so we're, we're going to, we're really aiming to scale you know, globally inspired heirloom tomato soups. And it's a real alternative. Um, and then what, what we're, what I'm personally focused on is finding farmers who are interested in converting their commercial property or part of it to, uh, you know, uh, Call it regenerative agriculture, yes. and uh, the, the, it is borne out in the numbers. Uh, what, how much our farm can produce is 
staggering now that the soil is completely alive. Um, and we have essentially no inputs uh, from whether organic or chemical, no fertilizers necessary other than compost and no pesticides and absolutely no herbicides so not you know not not even organic uh so the the working with nature uh we're really seeing what nature can do and um we imagine you know sometimes i think of apple bliss onion bliss you know really figuring out how to create consumer support for ready-to-eat, absolutely superbly delicious, uh, well-grown food. And that's, that's our dream. Well, it sounds like a noble cause. And I think it's, I mean, at this point in, in agricultural history, I think that um, it doesn't take a whole lot of convincing of people to understand that you're doing things the right way. Um, and now, if people are not available um, and do not have the, the right farmers' markets available to them, mm-hmm. uh, how do they get your soups? So we're at we're at uh, tomatobliss.com, and we also uh, launch on Amazon in January. So you can find us in both places. Now, can you order right off the website? Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and please do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing to add. Please. And uh, honestly, mm-hmm. listeners, I mean, you, you, you'll just be able to taste the difference in a second, and, and you'll love it. And, and you won't be yeah. able to go back to the, yeah. You know, it's yeah. Wonderful, wonderful to hear the story of the, the tomatoes are fighting back. Yeah. They <laughs> certainly are. They really yeah. are. And it's, it's, it's there's, there's, nature. There's something I want. There's something I wanted to add because mm-hmm. it, turn, it turned out what, what, one of the sagas of the food industry was how Campbell's soup managed to outgone Heinz. Yeah, I was just going to even mention that. I'm glad you're bringing it up, Rabbit. It's funny because Heinz tomato soup is made right here in our hometown. And oh. Campbell's Campbell's tomato soup. He's made in Philadelphia. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Which we also we also live there too. Mm-hmm. But it's not as good as soup. No, it's it's it is actually I think almost beyond comparison because we use over thirty varieties of heirloom tomatoes in every batch. We use no dairy, no preservatives. The mouthfeel is, you know, it's super clean. And it is great, like, yes. It's, uh, it doesn't taste, there's no dairy. It, it tastes really different. So I would say, it, and honestly, I grew up, I had, uh, I could have one no thank you at the, at the table a day. And I would save oh, no. my no thank yous for tomato soup. I did oh, no. not like tomato <laughs> soup one bit. Well, you were, that's interesting. Three bites. You had one no thank you. That's what you were like. One no thank you. Yeah, it was, at, it was at camp, but it was one no thank you. And otherwise, I had to have three bites of every, oh. everything that was served. And I could not even stand three bites of tomato soup. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, and this I drink straight from the jar. I mean, it's it's 
Yeah, there it's you go. so delicious. That's so Peter, yeah, he drinks it straight from the jar too. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I can't tell you uh, what a delight it is to find a, a product that um, it has such a, a, an important mission and, and is a successful, a successful business and mm-hmm. is a product. It's just amazing. So, again, uh, listeners, um, it, it's called Tomato Bliss, and it was started by um, Marie Crane, who we're talking to, and her partner, who couldn't be on the line today, Sasha Earl. And that's, of course, another story, another time uh, Marie will get into. Um, but I thank you for taking the time to talk to us about this, because it's I mean, your, your purpose is so important. I thank you. Thank you. No, thank you for the opportunity. I'm so enthused I'm going to have my last tomato bliss of the samples that you sent us. I'm gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna have for lunch tomorrow. Oh great. Well please let me know too your favorites. I mean we're we're still trying to figure it out and I so appreciate any feedback. Well, Peter will have an opinion on that I'm sure. So well again thank you and hello to Sasha. And okay. uh, hello, dear Michigan. I, Thank I will you. never get over the winters there, though, I have to tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I call myself a Chicago bear, so they never bother me. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Marie. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This was such a delight. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Okay, go ahead. You know, talking to Minnie Long, I, I have to say that um, she's, I, I could have predicted she was this nice because her product line is so exceptional. I love your product. Um, and it's, it's called Chi Kitchen. And, well, you, you said you saw a niche and, and moved to fill it. Well, you, you filled it more than uh, uh, just filling it. Uh, you got a Gold Sophie Award um, this year from the Fancy Food Show, uh, which is, I guess, how I got um, hooked on to the, the idea of it. But I love fermented foods anyhow, and I love kimchi particularly. But give us the backstory of how you ended What did you do before this? So before I started Chi Kitchen, I actually was a chef um, based in Los Angeles. So okay. I've always been into food and grew up in a very food-obsessed family. Uh-huh. And, of course, you, it's so, the product is so sophisticated that you could just about bet on the fact that you were trained as a chef. Yes, but I wasn't trained in kimchi making, actually. In fact, the first time I had made kimchi, um, it came out really, really bad, and I didn't make oh, it, it for six years. <laughs> so... Um, you know, so it, a lot people of think that fermenting is simple, but it's really not all that simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember um, somebody in, in Indianapolis um, set out to make uh, kimchi and in, in his uh, house. And, uh, I mean, there was something definitely wrong with it. The smell was so disgusting. <laughs> I, could, I could barely bring the bite of it to my mouth. So you can really go wrong with kimchi, can't you? 
Yes, um, yes, you can. It, the technique is pretty simple, um, but there's just so many different factors on, you know, how it's going to come out, and it definitely takes practice. Most people uh, are not going to get it, you know, perfect on the first try, and even if they do, they might not get it perfect on the subsequent tries. So you can really go down a rabbit hole when it comes to fermentation. Um, but I think that's also part of the excitement of it for me and for a lot of people uh, because it's you don't necessarily know how it's going to come out. So when it does come out good, it's so exciting. Um, and, of course, it's heartbreaking when it, when it doesn't. And it just, yeah. you know, for me, it just fortifies my, you know, motivation to go back and uh, figure out how to do it better again. No. And for those for those people who don't know, kimchi is native to what country? Kimchi is um, from Korea. It's been made for thousands of years, and it's um, you know garnered a lot of attention and acclaim in the last decade or so in the United States. Yeah, so it's fermented it. and flavors. Yes. Yeah, fermented everything has gone awesome. In fact, there's a company that does kimchi. And, and other fermented things out of Cleveland, Ohio. Do you know that? Yeah, they were actually at the booth um, next to us as well. Their, their yeah. product's very good, too. They're very, yeah. they're very good, too. So um, who did we interview, Rabbit? About? We interviewed the people who make kimchi from kimchi. Cleveland. Yeah. I forget what they call it, but essentially it's Cleveland kimchi. Cleveland Kitchen, I think, is the name of it, isn't it? I can't remember. I think it's Cleveland Kim. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, um, so so you moved to fill this gap because you you looked over what Korean food in general or Asian food in general. Where did you see this big empty blank? This could be your niche. Well, I want our first and foremost goal as a company is we're a healthy Asian food company. And I saw a lot of um, healthy Asian food companies making kimchi um, that tasted like health food kimchi. (laughs) So we really wanted to um, have people enjoy the health benefits of kimchi, the um, probiotics, the immune-boosting properties. but we knew that we wanted to, we had to make it really absolutely delicious in order for people to get those benefits. So now, um, now the, dic- the dictator of North Korea, he do- he doesn't make kimchi. He doesn't make kimchi. Well, maybe he does. Who? I don't know. The guy, the guy, the guy from North Korea. I'm sorry, but I'm not getting what you're saying. The guys from. Oh, yeah. The guy from North Korea, I wondered if he made kimchi. Oh, I'm oh, sure he's certainly eaten it. I don't know if he makes it. <laughs> well, he, whatever he eats, he's eaten a lot of it. <laughs> so, but, um, Minnie, you started out with kimchi as the product, but you have a whole line of fermented products. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, we started off with kimchi, and we figured out if we could get really good at making kimchi, this fermented, alive, you know, um, 
vegetable product that we could, you know, we would be able to innovate um, in other ways. So in 2020, I believe, we launched our new products, the fermented sesame slaw, which we won the Sophie Gold Award for in pickles and olive category, and um, also our kimchi pickles. There's absolutely nothing like those two products in grocery store shelves. Um, we yeah, completely invented them and made them up. <laughs> and basically, they oh, is are... is that true? Uh, you, you made them up. I wondered why I never knew that, that this, there yes. was such a thing. Yeah, there, you invented uh, it. There is now, but yes. Yeah, so the sesame flaw has um, sesame and ginger and a hint of wasabi. And it's a beautiful combination of red and green cabbage, so it's a really nice pink color. It's beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful, and I loved it. That's I, one I would, of our our. That's one of our things at Tea Kitchen. Every product has to look beautiful and really, you know, pop uh, on the plate and in on the jar. Uh, we spent about six months figuring out the perfect combination of cabbage just to get that nice color. That eye, eye catching because you eat with your eyes too, right? Yeah, well, I know that, but I tell you, I, I, I just, I will like snack on it during the day if I have package open. <laughs> you are not the it. only one. I hear that a lot. Oh, it's, <laughs> and it's crazy. You, you it's also feel snack. like it, it feels like you're being healthful, also when you when you eat it. It's, it feels well, healthy. You, yes. You, you are, you are, it is healthy, um, but it's also very satisfying. Sometimes, yes. you know, I have snacks that I know are good for me, but I, I'm not satisfied, and then, you know, a couple minutes later, I want to eat something else. So, um, and that's kind of our goal, you know, and it really comes down to the the, the flavors and the tastes and the textures and the, that perfect balance um, that we put, you know, what that we put into producing our products and bringing them onto market. Um, the kimchi pickles are very unique because they are, you know, perfect snack-sized chunks of Persian cucumbers, and they're fermented in kimchi spices. So you get to eat the, the pickles as a snack, and they're loaded with billions of probiotics. But then you also have the juice that people love to use as gut shots, um, in cocktails, yeah. Bloody Marys, I use it. It's good on, on uh, beets, by the way. Chicken on, on beets. Try it on beets. Put put it on okay. cooked beets. Cooked beets is good. Oh, beets! Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. Beets. I just marinated some um, chicken thighs with buttermilk and the kimchi juice, and then um, coated them and fried them the other day, and that came out great. You coated them with what? Um, like a flour and cornstarch, like I made it into a fried chicken, basically. Okay, and then you fry them. All right, sounds good. So exactly I, I marinated the chicken with the buttermilk, the kimchi juice. I hardly had to add any seasoning to it because there's so much flavor in the in the ju- the kimchi pickle juice. And then uh-huh. I fried it, and uh, it was very tasty. Do you so the, put the these recipes on? Yeah, do you put these recipes on your website? Yes, we do have a, sec- a section on our website um, with recipes. Okay. And, and they might as well give our listeners the website just so they know. 
So it's www.chikitchen.com. C-H-I-K-I-T-C-H-E-N.com. Okay, got that. And do you uh, can you access the uh, product directly, order it directly from the website? Yes, you can order it directly from the website or you can purchase it in stores in New England. Do you have a, a store found, founder? Yes. On your website? Yeah. You can, okay. you can access the store finder on our website, and we're constantly adding um, stores. Well, that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, um, now, I mean, like, are you, once you have the, you must have spent a great deal of time figuring out how to package this. Yes. Talk about the packaging uh, a bit. Well, everything is done by hand, <laughs> so... Um, oh, I wondered about that. There's no mechanical thing to do this. So there's no, we've never found a really good mechanical solution for that. And um, also, the the packing is really important part because if you don't pack it correctly, um, it can lead to all kinds of problems. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, well, like what? Because it's, I mean, it's it's a very safe product because of the fermentation, right? Absolutely. It's very safe. It's fermented to a pH level where, you know, bad pathogens cannot really th- grow. But um, it's more user experience. For example, once our um, product is finished, we put it into a cool, we cool it down in cool storage. And so mm-hmm. instead of, you know, the smart thing would be or the more efficient business thing would be to just pack it right away. But it's still kind of room temperature and warm at that point. So what we do is we cool it down and then pack it cold, which is an extra step. But that helps kind of reduce um, CO2 gases that build up because um, once the product is fermented, it's alive and it's going to continue to ferment. Um, and so when you leave it at room temperature, the, it's, it's going to continue to ferment at a, you know, at a faster rate. So when you cool it down, that's why it's a refrigerated product, it kind of slows down the fermentation. It's still going to ferment, but it's going to be at a much slower rate. But if we were to pack it, you know, at room temperature, um, it would just continue to ferment faster and then by the, before it was able to cool down. And so those CO2 gases would develop. And you see that sometimes, and it happens sometimes, but it happens, uh, you know, le- less frequently with our products because we keep it cold throughout the, you know, process. Well, what I've done is uh, when I open on one of the pouches, um, I- I'll put it back in the refrigerator after we have some. But I haven't yeah. really, I haven't really been um, stingy on, on the, how long it's stored for. Is that wrong or right or what? Yeah, that's fine. I'm just saying that, you know, um, when packing packing it cold, you know, is what we do. It's just an added step that we use to ensure, you know, a good user experience. Now, what, what kind of feedback did you get at the show, the Fancy Food Show? Because you were right on site there. Oh, we got all kinds of feedback. People absolutely love the sesame slaw, um, which, 
it didn't surprise me because we won the award. Yeah, well, it's, it, but, it's um, mild. It's very mild, too, don't you think? And people, you know, it's the same feedback that we normally get when we are out, you know, sampling our products and letting people taste it. People think it's, you know, the best kimchi that they can buy from a jar. Um, and the, the thing with the last two years of the pandemic is we haven't been able to go out there and sample as much, um, but we're just kind of starting to get back at it. And particularly with these the two new products, the sesame flaw and the pickles, you know, it's really great to see, um, you know, people's response and reaction to it. Well, I mean, I think it's great. Don't you have it? Yeah, I do. It's I eat a lot of it too, but you're ahead of me. I, I mean, you mean I ate some that you wanted? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> huh? I don't know what he's saying. Something but, like that. Yeah. So, so um, upward and onward. I guess you just will continue um, making sure that the product is perfect and and i guess you've got a big step now and and marketing it now the fancy food show is a good place to start because yeah, you've got all yeah, the buyers it's it, very gratifying um we focus so much on our production and our quality for the last we've been in business for seven years you know um mm-hmm. and now that we you know we i just have complete confidence in our process and our product and our quality it's really easy to go out and sell it and share it with the world and so that's kind of where we're at at, in in our business where really we want to get the word out there and let people know about our products and how wonderful they taste and how how great they are for uh, your well-being and vitality yeah so it's very helpful it's very delicious Uh, listeners you Remember, it, it's also wonderfully convenient the way it's packaged. Um, you add it to a meal, and you've you've elevated the whole entire meal. Um, I, I'm going to be a, a shill for your <laughs> for your product there. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I just you love work it. for Chic Kitchen. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for talking to us. You can stop. So, Nini? Yep. Um, we'll email you when it's going to air, and you can listen to it right off of the um, okay. website or from any of your okay, podcast great. providers. Okay. And what did, okay. What did your husband you do so beforehand? Uh, let's see. He was an entrepreneur. He worked in sales, um, tech 